Alrighty, welcome to Romero Records Podcast, and today we have on... Ashton Riker. Again. Yeah, again, man. <laughs> it's awesome to have you on, man. It's good to be back, man. Deja vu. Yes, absolutely. In in the new studio. In a new course. studio, so it's not yeah. really deja vu. It's, a, it's like a different feeling. But absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I've definitely been keeping track of you, you know, everything that you've been doing, and um, it's it's great to see you still working, still, still grinding through everything that you've yeah. been through. Now, I really... You know, when I was thinking about, I've been having on some repeat people, and I really wanted to bring you on, uh, basically just to enlighten people on what you've been going through, okay. and um, and then you know also of course your music and, right. and everything else in life that you that you're doing. So um, I guess take us through like from through I guess through COVID because wh- yeah. when did we do our podcast, dude? I feel like we did. It was 2020. Was it 2020? I feel like it was 2020. Maybe it was 2019 even. It was it was a while it, back. <laughs> I, you know what? It might have been 2019. So yeah, actually, we I don't think we I think it was pre-pandemic. Pre-co- okay. Yeah. Dang. I think it was. That's crazy. I think it was. Um, so since then, man, uh You've been through a lot, dude. I've been through a ton. It's been eventful, bro. Um, you know. On the high side of things, uh, I found out I was Grammy nominated and okay. had no clue. I found out like a year and a half later. How'd you find out? Um, so I did this session uh, and I didn't get a ton of information for it other than that it was for Royce to 5'9". Okay. And I just figured it was going on a like mixtape or something. I was just doing some background work. Um, and then like a year and a half later, uh, my engineer runs into the guy that was engineering that session. And he was like, yo. Does Ashton know that like he's like nominated for a Grammy now because of what we did? And <laughs> my dude was like, yeah, no, he definitely doesn't know. Um, so that happened. Um, working more on music, we're closer to releasing another full-length album, Cut It Royal Studios. Um, I've you know traveled around and done some gigs. I got really lucky during the pandemic because I didn't have any off time. I had mm. gigs every week. Um, sometimes it was, you know, live streaming shows, other times it was, um, you know, private parties, but a lot of venues in town kind of, uh, kept artists afloat. Mm -hmm. Um, and then most recently, unfortunately, what has happened, um, is that I found out that I have to have a liver transplant. Mm. Um, long story short, back in 2019, I actually got, um, I got really sick. Um, and they told me I had two weeks left to live. This is the week of my wedding too. Oh my God. So this was like my anniversary is October 13th. So I want to say that this would have been like October 6th or 7th going to the hospital. Say you got two weeks left to live, get your affairs in order. So what are you thinking? Like when, when they're telling you this, I'm like, well, honest to God, my first thought was I'm not going out like that. Yeah. No, you don't know me. Yeah, you can sit here and tell me that all you want to, but you don't know me, and that might sound dumb, whatever, to try and fight something natural like death. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna try. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna try. <laughs> you know, um, and uh, man, it was bad. So I was really obese for most of my life, um, and I ended up going from like 323 pounds down to like 160, something like that. That's the transformation, dude. Yeah. But in, in 160 did not look good on me. I got broad shoulders, bro. Like, I mean, I was just skin and bone. My yeah. muscles atrophied. 
Um, my body was rejecting food. Um, and then I just, I started forcing myself to eat, um, which I had not had success with before. Started working out. Um, tons of changes in my life got me healthy mm. and staved off death, you know? Mm. Um, so I've been going to um, the liver doctor for the past like three years and uh, my liver numbers themselves are like stable, like everything looks good, mm. um, which is like a miracle. But there's a problem is that um, I keep having these bleeds in my esophagus. Mm. So there's a vein in your liver called the portal vein. Okay. And it pumps blood into your esophagus. And I have cirrhosis of the liver, which is like scar tissue. Um, and it's genetic. It's a number of things. It wasn't like drug and alcohol induced. Um, that's one reason it was so confusing because we were like, I'm not on hard drugs. I'm not an alcoholic. Yeah. Like, there's no reason my skin should be yellow and my eyes look like they're melting out of my head. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I did all kinds of stuff and changed my life around. I started working out, watching what I was eating, making healthier choices, those kind of things. Yeah. So fast forward a little bit. Um, got back to gigging. Everything was going well. I had my first bleed. Mm. And it was something um, that started with uh, I threw up blood. And I thought, dude, I thought it was Hawaiian punch. <laughs> That's what kind of idiot I am, bro. Because I was like, I was like, man, my stomach hurts, dude. This is awful. Blah. That's red. Well, I did have some Hawaiian punch. Oh, I'll just go to bed. It's fine. Man. Dude, I went to bed and I woke up the next day happened again and i was like oh this is bad yeah this is not what's supposed to be happening um so i called my wife who is a nurse um i was like this is what's going on she was like can you go to the emergency room now so we went to the emergency room and so this is mind you six months after they told me that i had like you know two weeks left to live mm. go to the hospital um the er find out i'm bleeding internally end up in a coma for 26 hours. When I come out of the coma, they tell me that if, <laughs> that if I would have been like 30 minutes later, that they wouldn't have been able to do anything. So this is twice oh in God. six months that like the Reaper been pounding at my door. Um, I took, I think I took two weeks off. Mm -hmm. That's it. And then I was straight back on stage. And then I broke my back six weeks after that. How'd you break your back? I still don't know. I jump around on stage a lot and, you know, I move gear and oh my God. I played a ton of sports when I was younger. Like, and I was just a really rough kid, like yeah. teenager, really rough, you know? Um, and I'd had this gig and dude, I got up like from the stage after like, you know, packing up my bag and all my gear and stuff. And I was like, man, my back really hurts. I got a high tolerance for pain. So mm. if I'm complaining about something... It's bad. Mm. So I told Whitney, my wife, I was like, you know, maybe we need to go to the doctor again. So we went to minor med and got an x-ray and they were like, man, you got three fractures in your back. Dang. You just been walking around like everything's fine. And I was like, I mean, no, everything wasn't fine. Like, it hurt. <laughs> but I just assumed, I, you know, I just assumed I was being weak or something, you yeah. know? So um, I was in a brace for like six weeks, still gigging. In a brace that went from my waist up to my chin, maybe like the Tin Man. You know? oh, I was man. still doing gigs. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, 
And then it's like I got over all of those crazy hurdles. I got an awesome gig playing once a week, Thursday nights at BB King's. Okay. Um, I got the band that I've wanted to have. I mean, I've got a 19-time Grammy winner in my band. I mean, I've, I've got Bobby Blue Bland's son playing drums for me. Um, it's just like this really great group of guys, um, which is what I've, I've been doing that show now for about a year and a half, um, which puts us up to recently. Um, I guess it was about two and a half, three months ago, I had another bleed. Mm-hmm. Um, in my esophagus, and when we followed up with the liver clinic, that's when they said, time for a transplant. Mm. Um, so that's where we are now. Um, I actually just got listed on the um, uh, the transplant list. Okay. Um, I got listed last week, um, and I'm actually going to be getting what's called a liver graft from a living donor. Mm. Um, so we're going to test my wife. If she's not a match, we're going to go um, a couple other avenues with family members and mm. things. But in essence, what will happen is the donor will give half of their liver to me. And I'll end up with a full liver, like 90% size. Yeah. And they will as well because the liver does regenerate. It's the only organ oh. in the body that regenerates. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I've been doing a lot of... Uh, testing you know medical tests and stuff like that they got to make sure your body can withstand a hit like that yeah um so i've been doing all that stuff and uh still playing shows all through it and i'm tired i'm not gonna lie to you man like this whole liver problem thing like it's got a baseline level of fatigue that's enough to keep most people in bed and i just i've over the past three years i've gotten used to it yeah um now I have my days where I just can't do it. And actually, unfortunately, you got to experience that last week because we yep. were supposed to do this. And I was like, hey, man, uh, I'm not going to be able to make it tonight. Yeah. So, um, but there's a, I do want to say this, though. There's a reason that I'm being so open and transparent about all this, um, especially as men. We're told too often, just suck it up. Suffer in silence, you know, that's not realistic one bit. And I get tired of, I get tired of faking it like everything's okay. And I know people who are tired of that too. And I just want people to know it's okay to to not have it together 100% of the time. If you're going through something, if you're hurting, you can't push that away and not let it happen. Because if you do that, it's going to come back around to bite you in the butt, you know. So what I'm trying to do is just be open and honest about when I'm feeling happy, when I'm having good days, uh, when I'm having a rough day with this stuff, you know? Um, I just want people to know that it's okay to have feelings. You don't have to be a robot. Um, and also, I just kind of, even though what I'm going through is, is a physical thing, um, I want to, you know, bring some awareness to the mental health aspect of it. Um, as somebody who suffers from anxiety, depression, PTSD, uh, I know how hard it can be to talk about those things. So I'm trying to lead by example, Mm. you know, it's almost like if, you know, throw me into the flame so you don't have to go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, that's where I'm at. It's been a peaks and valleys, you know, it's been a lot of good and some not so good, but that's life, you know? 
That's 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 a crazy ride, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's unbelievable for for you to, you know, been where you've been with with music. It's not like you were just a a type of person who's just dabbling. You know, what no. I mean, like, no, 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 you've I'm, been hard yeah. into it, and then for you to take a crash like that, it was definitely a crash. That's yeah. that's insane. So let, let's go back to the gra- right. let's go back to the Grammy. So, okay. um. My type of audience are people who are going to want to know that kind of information as far as like, how in the world does that happen? Like, how how does that happen to where you do this work for somebody Uh and then you don't know how you got that nomination or you don't know what even happened to the end product? Right. So here's here's how it became a mystery for me, right, is it was a really general open call for the session and somebody saw it. And recommended me for it. Okay. Okay. And then I got called for it, right? This was actually like two weeks before I got sick mm. in 2019. So that's how I never found out that it got nominated for a Grammy and all that stuff. Now, in terms of how do you generate these opportunities? How does that happen? When I figure it out, I'll let you know because I'm still <laughs> trying to figure it out. Okay. And I mean, I'm being honest with you, bro. I've been doing this as a professional since I was six years old. So I, this is my. This is my 25th year as an entertainer, and I'm still trying to figure that out, bro. I will say the the weirdest part about the music industry is some people have talent, and then some people can make opportunities. Very few people can do both. Yeah. Um, you know, as we all know in this industry, and if you don't know, I'll be the one to tell you, it's not always what you know, it's who you know. And more often than not, it's who you know. Yeah. That's why so many people run around and they complain about what's on the radio or what's on this commercial, you know, because it's, it's, it's just this person has connections, boom, it goes out there. Mm-hmm. You know, meanwhile, you've got very, very serious artists, which, you know, I'm, I'm of the opinion that it's okay to take yourself seriously as an artist. Like people are like, don't take yourself so seriously. Like, Maybe take yourself seriously, you know? Yeah. Um, if you don't, who will? Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Um, I think that I'm trying to think of how to say this. I think you're right that it's rare to find, we'll call it someone with the talent and the connections Mm -hmm. that can, you know, generate opportunities. If you can do Either or, you're not dead in the water in this industry, but you need to learn how to do the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and act like I've got all the answers, but I have some answers to you know to some questions out there. Yeah. Uh, and the biggest piece of advice I think I could give anybody that's looking to get into the music industry or you know do anything like this is always sharpen the axe. Mm. Always. Don't be a one trick pony. So yeah. you can you can sing great. That's fantastic. What are your showmanship skills like? Mm. You're a great showman. That's fantastic. Can you run a band? Can you run a band in a rehearsal setting? Also, can you communicate with promoters? Can you communicate with the sound guys? Mm. Your needs as an artist. You know, I've seen a lot of people get the big ego because they've got one or two cool things going on and then they get put into a setting where they're not used to it and it's like they they fall apart because mm. they don't have that foundation that they need you yeah. know 
Um, so that's something I hate to see. Like, I hate to see these artists, and I don't even want to call them one-hit wonders, but I hate to see these artists that come out and that you know they're hot for like a year, mm-hmm. a year and a half, and then you never hear from them again. All right, good segue. <laughs> Glorilla. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said it. So what do you think? Woo-wee. What okay. do you think? All right. Number one, here's what I think. God, this is just Gotti every time he sees anybody. Yep. Yeah, I can sign him, man. Yep. I can sign him, man. I promise I'll put some of them CMG chains on him, man. That's it doesn't you don't have to have talent, bro. Yeah. Black youngster, if black youngster didn't teach y'all that, <laughs> I'm sorry to y'all that like black youngster, black youngster ain't nothing against you, pimp. But uh man, if y'all couldn't figure it out then, when are y'all gonna get it? Now, on the other side of this. That's that's me clowning on his side. Yeah. On the other side of this, yo, I'm all for it, mm-hmm. bro. We bless, we're blessed with two queens in Memphis. Yeah, we got Gangsta Boo and LaChat. Yeah, but outside of that, up until now, who do we really have? It's it's been pretty non-existent. I, I mean, it, you know, you, there's plenty of female MCs, but like ones that are coming with that kind of tenacity and ferocity and just making good music that you want to spit in your car. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I hope that she does not fall into that category of what I was just talking about. Absolutely. However, what I will say is that, you know, when you get to that level where you got those kind of eyes on you, they put in crutches in place so you can't fall. Yeah. You know, really, if you're going to, if you're going (laughs) to fall, (laughs) if you're going to fall these days, it's going to be because you trip, not because somebody trips you. Yeah. You know, they're going to do everything they can to make sure you, you stay up. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I would like to see, I would like to see some artist development there, Mm -hmm. but it's not just Glorilla too. Uh, what's the other, um, Glossy, something like that. Yeah, something. She, she just got with quality control. Yep. Yeah, I, I saw that video on Instagram today. Is Kate Carbon signed to anybody? I don't know. She might still be independent. She might still be indie. I'm I'm really not sure. But that whole click, that, yeah, yeah. Which to give Hit Kid his props. That I, man, you took it right out of my mouth, man. Um, I did an interview like five or six years ago. Um. SSMTV or something. Mm-hmm. Hit they had Hit Kid on there five six years ago, and he was talking about like this exact thing. Like he called it. Oh wow! He was talking about how many hidden female MCs there are in Memphis that just waiting to come to the light. You mm-hmm. know, um, I think it's great. I really really do. I just it's. I'm not gonna lie to you, bro. It's gonna bother me a lot if like. She got F and F, and then she got what's your next hit, and then boom, that's it. Yes, that's it. Bothered me. This is going to sound weird. I'm I'm not connected with them at all. Um, I did have conversations with Kadeem Phillips, and I was talking to him about this, and he and he was like, uh, "This was a while back, and this was in May." He was like, "Oh yeah, we're we're moving on from Glow. Like she's good." And I was like, "Kadeem, it's only been like weeks since this song came. What do you mean she's good?" <laughs> And then sure enough, she yeah. gets signed. So he he knew obviously more than I did being his kid's manager, but just knowing that these kind of things happen, like I, I was like, mm, maybe she should just stick with Hit Kid for a while and just run it, you know, independently like that. Yeah. But hey, I don't know the business like that. You know what I mean? I don't know well, her business. I don't That's the other thing too. It when when you're talking 
business in terms of like uh, what an artist wants to do. Yeah. That's a really crazy decision that people have to make now. Absolutely. Because, and I almost feel like it's like this argument that I'm about to bring up is more prevalent now than it was like when I was a kid and kept hearing all these, you know, old rock and roll heads talk about don't sell out to the man, bro. Well, now in the information age, when everyone is so used to getting whatever they want on demand right now, I can watch this show right now. I Mm -hmm. can watch this podcast right now. Yeah. What happens when you take that away? Okay. What happens when you, as we were talking about, you take away those opportunities, those people that know how to generate opportunities and you leave them with just their talent, right? Yeah. Okay. If we leave them with just their talent, are they going to be able to produce opportunities for themselves like we were talking about? Are they going to be able to do that? Are they going to be able to not be a one-trick pony, Mm -hmm. evolve with the times, okay? Um, Dude, I'm not going to lie to you. I just lost my train of thought like that fast. (laughs) (laughs) It just went away. Probably just thinking about like whatever artists are able to do for themselves without that. That's what it was. Thank you. Um, So when you're an artist now and you get presented with a deal, Mm -hmm. okay? You know, most of the times now you're doing distribution deals, which is – you know, 20 years ago, people are like, oh, distribution deal, man, I want to get signed to the label. Do you really want that now? Mm. Do you really want that label over you taking your artistic control, telling you what you can and can't do? Or would you rather take that distribution deal and remain semi-independent mm-hmm. and be able to have creative control? Yeah. That also has to do with if you take yourself seriously as an artist or not, like we were kind of talking about before. Um, if you are one of these artists and there's nothing wrong with this, I'm not trying to bash anybody that does this, but if you're one of these artists that I would call like fluid, you just, whatever's hot, you go with that. Mm. You change with the time. If you're going to be one of those artists, then signing with the major label might be for you Mm -hmm. because that label pays young people to tell them what's going to be cool. Mm. And then they'll in turn make sure that you remain cool to everybody with eyes watching. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's my two cents on that part of it. Um, me personally, I would rather do that either stay straight indie or get a distribution deal where I take care of the music up front and hand you a finished product mm-hmm. and you put it out through your channels. But when you're looking to get a deal like that, that's harder to get to because that means that that label trusts you and whoever you have to go and deliver the finished product that they're willing to slap their label on. That's true. And push through their channels. I never thought about that. Yep. So, you know, you could end up in a spot where you've got a, you know, distribution deal and it's time to deliver your product and they go, I can't put that out. Yeah. And they send you back to the drawing board. What happens if you're an artist who doesn't have a studio you can go into, doesn't have a team behind you that's ready to help you if, okay, we got to make a last minute change. What happens if you don't have that? Yeah. Yeah. Dang, um, that's a crazy thing to, yeah. to think about. Yeah, yeah. That most artists probably don't have no. that, that <laughs> no, knowledge. No, this, this job does not come with a manual. And even if it did, it would be written by musicians. Okay. <laughs> Backwards. Backwards. <laughs> okay. So just... That's the thing about this business, man. Like you, I mean, dude, I went to school for this. I went to the number one contemporary music school in the world, and it 
did not even prepare me for what so real musician life is. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, that's something you just have to kind of learn on your own and everybody goes through it the process a little bit differently. Yeah. Some people hit the ground and run, some people just hit the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Do do you think that with so, you know, the times are changing. People are getting more educated. We've got internet, you know what yeah. I mean? Like they didn't have that back then when they were, you know, still recording on tape and all those kinds right. of like um just the ability to know more about the business. When artists are more educated, they have the ability to play it safe. You know, they can learn about what a distribution deal is or a publishing deal or whatever. I would actually venture to say that if you're an artist and you're educated, you can take risks Mm. instead of play it safe. Okay. You're taking, if you're educated, you're taking calculated risks instead of blind risks. True, true. And in a business where everything is for the most part blind, if you can get some kind of calculation going about how I can rebound from this or how I can land and take this and run with it, you got to take that opportunity. Yeah. Um, that's just my opinion on that part right there. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. makes sense because that's, and you know, instead of going in blind, you, you're like, well, I can take this risk because I know what the chances are of something right. bad is yeah. going to happen. So, and, and, But that's the other thing too is, I mean, you know, you can have all the statistics in the world in front of you and then you get into whatever situation and it, might not go that way. Yeah. You know, um, we just preach an artist education on this episode. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, yeah. For real. Like that's, it's, it's serious, man. Artists, if you're listening, please pick up a music business book. It's, it's not that hard. It's not even that boring. It's only boring for a little while, <laughs> but then think of it this way. If you pick up those books and you learn about those things and you do get that call from a label, that's one less person you got to pay if you know how to do that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's it can be pretty pretty strange running into certain artists who like don't know stuff cuz you're like it's like you it's like you feel bad for them. It's it's like <laughs> it's like when um if you know somebody's getting cheated on by their spouse. Yeah. And then it's like you have to see them every day yeah, and you're like Oh mm. man, yeah. I want to tell you this. I want to tell you so bad, but I can't be the one to break it. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> yeah. how it is. Seeing an artist who doesn't know anything about yeah. the music business, like they're just out there making music, and it's like they're just out there making money for somebody else. Oh, they're definitely making money for somebody else, man. And that's the other thing you got to remember too about this business. It doesn't matter how many zeros and commas they put at the end of that deal memo. At the end of the day, this is a business run by pimps, drug dealers, <laughs> and thieves. Yeah. And there's a bad side of it too. <laughs> That's an old school Hollywood quote, man, but mm. it's true. I mean, like, show me another industry that has so many like back back then to now success stories. Mm. Other than that, you know, you don't you don't I mean, maybe the food industry, a lot of chefs maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I read a lot of biographies and stuff like that. I'm a big Anthony Bourdain fan, but like, you know, oh. a lot of like really famous chefs come from you know, like less than ideal conditions and mm. then turn their lives around and become these Michelin star chefs. I hear about that in that setting. I hear about it in the music industry a ton, but like your ambulance driver is not like, it's not like, yeah, man, I was on smack three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not happening. Do you say Le Bonner or <laughs> Baptist? Like where are we going? Yeah, no. 
<laughs> yeah, like the music industry has that rags to riches type thing. That, That's it, rags to riches. That's yeah. what I couldn't remember how to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but because of that, you got to watch out. Mm-hmm. Always watch your back. Always have it in writing. <clears throat> I think that would be another key piece of information is if you can, always have it in writing. And that goes back to what we were talking about, like with the Glorilla situation. Like, obviously, I'm I'm a huge on artists being loyal to friends and people like that. So it it looked like she was glowing up right. with with Hit Kid. So I was like, why don't you just stick with Hit Kid? You know, he looks yeah. like he knows what he's doing. He used to be signed with Rock Nation, right? They, stick with him. But again, I don't know her situation. Right. Maybe she needed something like a Yo Gotti to help her get to where she wants to be. So. And the other thing too, though, everybody's all you know. We're sitting here talking about business and deals. Everybody's all excited for Glow Real and all this stuff. Don't none of us know what that piece of paper looked like. Does she exactly. own those masters? <laughs> what do you think? What what's the what do you think the percentage of a chance that she owns those masters are? Slim to none. Slim to none. <laughs> but an artist that's not educated. I'm not saying she's not. I have no idea. I have no... She might be a industry guru for yeah. all we know. She's playing all of us. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> um, but like, I just... You take an uneducated artist and you show them shiny diamonds, stacks of money, hey, what did, he had? Cars. I think he had a phantom and an airplane yeah. out there when the, in he the video. He had a phantom and an airplane. Show him a big house. <laughs> Here's here's your CMG chain, just like I got, just like two bags of money, two bags of money, and you see all that, and you're going, wow, this is awesome. And what you don't see is them pulling down your pants, grabbing your wallet, punching you, and taking your money. Yeah, because they're like selling these masters that are going to generate so much more money than the little relative little sum you've been given. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Yeah, go ahead and sign with this label. We'll give you a $500,000 advance, and we own your masters, and because we own your masters, we'll give you X flat fee for that. You said $500,000? Dang, you said $500,000, <laughs> and then another two fifty on the backside? That's $750,000, bro. I'm almost a millionaire. Hell yeah, sign the paper. Well, let's say your song's the song of the summer. Let's say it's, it's, a, real, it's a real bop, and that just playing till the next summer. And you're like, oh, I can't wait to get these royalty checks. You ain't getting no checks, man. You didn't read the dotted lines. You don't, you're not, you are not making any money off that. <laughs> you made all your money already when you signed for that 750. You're not making anything until they recoup that 750. And then if they do let you have some ownership of your masters, you're not getting any of your money until they, you know, they they've recouped and everything. You're not yeah. getting a penny. So Artists, please educate yourselves. Please educate yourselves. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a slippery slope, you know. And yeah. and again, it's it's always about what do you want to do? What's what's right for you? And that's like what we were talking about earlier. If you got the talent, can you make the opportunities? Yeah, Gotti's her opportunity. If you think that was the best you can do, then yeah, then do it. Yeah. But if you think you can create something else. Take the chance, as we as as you said, if you're educated, you can take more risk. Yeah, and the other thing too is, you know, there is this horribly skewed vision of what people think success in the music industry looks like. 
Success in the music industry does not have to look like a house in the hills and a private plane. It doesn't have to look like that. Real success in the music industry is I'm only doing music. That's what pays my bills. Yeah. That is that you can define success in the music industry with that. If you're in that position and I'm, it took me years to get here. And sometimes I feel like I'm barely here. You know what I mean? But if you can sit back and say that music is all I have to do to, to pay my bills, you are successful whether you don't whether you feel like a million bucks or whether you feel like you need to just go out and start busking on Beale Street. It doesn't matter because yeah. that's the other thing about this business too, is there's always somebody that wants your spot. Oh yeah. Just as unsatisfied as you are happy people to be super happy, to be super happy to be in your spot. Yeah. Because you've started taking the steps towards that direction. Yeah. They haven't, you know. Um, One thing you had brought up was just being successful means you do music full time. Yeah. And that's something that I have to explain to artists because they forget that there's, it's not you're completely broke or making millions. There's there, 100,000, yeah. 50,000 a year. Exactly. Whatever, like there's all this yeah. in between, and it's it's also you know unless you get picked up by Gotti or you know Universal or something crazy, it's not it's not an overnight thing. You don't go from <laughs> yeah. you like it does not work that way. I'm sorry to be the one to tell y'all, but you don't go from like riding your bike in Fraser to the next day on MTV. <laughs> it does not work like that. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. Um, there was another point I was going to make, and it just eluded me. Ooh, it was a good one too. It'll come back to me. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you if you can make fifty grand a year just doing music, that's amazing. That's what it was. So first time I heard myself on the radio, right? Now, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a giant victory. Mm-hmm. It's small. It's a local victory. But I'm a huge Al Capone fan. I grew up listening to Al Capone. I've been Al's hype man for the past like six years, right? <laughs> But this was about five years ago. I'd been working with Al for maybe a year. Um, and I was actually supposed to go on a date with this girl. And she stood me up. Mm. This, was like, this was like six or seven years ago, actually. Yeah. I was supposed to go on a date. She stood me up. So I went to the studio with Al Capone instead, right? Dang. And cut this bridge in the chorus. And then like a month later, I'm on the radio with Al. I'm like, damn, like this is a Memphis like rap dream come true. Like I'm on the radio with one of my idols. Yeah. But while I was on the radio for that entire summer, I was still working two jobs. Yeah. That were not music related. Plus my other job that was music related for a total of three jobs. Nice. (laughs) Um, So that's what I'm saying. It is not an overnight thing. Like you don't just get to wake up one day, you're on the radio and ta-da, you're famous. It's not like that at all. Yeah. And so many people think it is. Because that's that's really what a lot of people are seeing nowadays. We hardly get to see, you know, the artists that started from, you know, doing shows at Growlers with 20 fans. Right. To doing a whole stadium or something yeah. like that. Like, and I mean, but that's also because in the information age, growing a fan base organically is incredibly difficult. Not because, and honestly, most of the time it's not because of uh, whatever talent somebody does or doesn't have. It's just because of the sheer volume of stuff that 
we're exposed to on Instagram, yeah, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, TikTok. You scrolling. For, so let's say you sit down for thirty minutes of phone time, whatever. I don't know how people do their things. I just <laughs> grab my phone and start scrolling. But let's say you're like, oh, I'm gonna give myself thirty minutes to scroll. And those thirty minutes that you scroll through TikTok, how many desperate, starving artists with their guitar or with their mic are you gonna just scroll? Right by, <laughs> without even thinking to give them a listen. Yeah, it's just because we're programmed to just, mm, yeah, swipe. Mm, you know. Yeah. So, we have a lot of high quality um, content out there. So it's like you know, some people don't have that high quality. We feel like ah, it's not going to be good and stuff like that. But you know, there's people who are scratching and clawing who have great talent. Yeah. They're just they're just not there yet. So. Yeah. And I mean that's another thing, man. Just like I said, keep sharpening the iron. Uh, I'm gonna. Pa- I might have actually said this last time I was here, but if I didn't, I'm gonna pass it on to y'all. Um, Kirk Whalem told me this uh, when I was about 16 at Stax Stax Music Academy. He told a group of us this. He said, "If the axe is dull and I do not sharpen the edge, then my task becomes harder. But mm. wisdom brings success." Mm. Something incredibly simple to live by in all aspects of your life. Yeah. Whether it be, you know, your job in the music industry or your job, whatever, your familial relationships. Like, if you're lacking in a certain area, yeah, your job's going to be hard. Yeah. But if you know you're lacking and you go and do the work to bolster up those lower areas, you're going to be fine. Yeah. Wisdom brings success. Yeah. Remember um, that. <laughs> All right, let's take a break right quick, and then then we'll come back. Cool. All right, we're back. Um, So basically, when you were going through all your experiences that you're going through with your health and everything, were you concerned about your voice? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I was like, I I didn't Um, know how. So You did say something about the esophagus with the the liver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So I didn't sing... From for seven months. Um, That's a long time. And mind you, the kind of hit that my body took. I mean, I was I, I literally had one foot in the grave. Mm. So I already have big feet. I wear thirteen, right? <laughs> my feet swole up. You know, uh, up tempo Nike up tempos to just to say air on the side of oh, like yeah, in the yeah. big letters that they were like ninety shoes, right? Yeah, big shoes. I pulled the laces out, in size thirteen, right? Pull the laces out, and my feet would barely fit in the shoe, like wide open. I have pictures where my foot is literally yellow and like that big, ankles oh like that big around. God. So I couldn't walk. I couldn't. I mean, I was bedridden. Like I would. I sincerely. I remember specifically. Three, four months into this ordeal, like breaking down and crying and telling my wife, like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to sing anymore. Like I like as as a singer, Dude. you know, like rap rapping and singing are a lot more close together than you might think. Mm. Especially because you have to have your diaphragm. Your mm. diaphragm has got to be working properly for you to be able to do anything as a singer or a rapper. Um, I didn't have that wall to push back on. My muscles had atrophied. I had no muscle mass. When I say that, like, literally, I was skin and bones, I was skin and bones. Mm. When I started trying to work out, 
I was so weak, I couldn't lift anything. I couldn't lift a bottle of water. So I stood in my bedroom and just lifted my hands. Mm. Um, the first show I had was a live, first show back from being sick was a live stream at Royal Studios. And I want to say that that was in April of 2020. Was that the one for the Grizzlies? That was a different one. That, okay. that, that was actually 2021. That was in January of last year. Oh, okay. Um, but I did this live stream. It was a 45-minute set. Ooh. Uh, which is nothing. That's like super standard. Like, okay. Man, like 45 minutes, that's nothing. I do that four times every Thursday night. Mm. You know, three, four sets of BBs. Um. I try to run, I don't, you know, the way I do my live shows, I I don't want it to be cookie cutter. I don't want every single show to sound the same. Yeah, yeah. So I let my musicians play. I stretch songs. I don't play them just like the record. You know, I make my own version of them and then I I throw solos out to my guys to let them show off. Yeah. And I had kind of done some calculating in my head and I was looking at the set list and I was like, okay, I need to run each song around six minutes to make sure we fill the time and we don't run short. I said, I think I'll be okay up until about right here. This song, this is about halfway through the set. I don't remember what song it was, but I remember thinking, this is probably where I'll start to tire out. Mm -mm. Second song, I remember like, and I went back and watched the footage. Like you look at my face, if you look really close, you can tell I am struggling. I caught a cramp in my rib cage and it's like, it, uh, most of the time it comes from overuse of your diaphragm. Mm-hmm. In this case, it was from engaging my diaphragm a lot after not having done so for a really uh. long time. And it's in a spot where like you cannot stretch it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm in the middle of a live stream where people are like sending tips to the band and everything. So you can't stop it. And I'm sitting there singing soul music, Al Green, just smiling and dancing with a horrible cramp in my side. <sighs> God. Um, but yeah, man, I was really worried about my voice. Um, outside of the, the diaphragmatic issues of not having that muscle wall to push against, um, your voice is like, if you don't lose it, if you, excuse me, if you don't use it, you will lose it. Not mm-hmm. in terms of like, you, you'll go hoarse, but they're perishable skills. Yeah. Um, it's like you had a rhythm going. And Absolutely. Then you just... Dude, I, I'd been in a rhythm since I was six years old. Yeah. Like, no, I'm <laughs> dead crazy. serious. And then all of a sudden, it was like, okay, no more music. Shoo. Um, so, you know, there, there's things um, that, I, that I did to, and st- still do, to try to make sure that my voice is as healthy as possible. Um, throat coat tea. I'm should probably buy stock in that company. Mm. I probably keep them in, well, all vocalists are keeping them in business. Um, throat coat tea with, you know, honey and lemon, different lozenges. I drink an absurd amount of water. I drink at least a gallon of water a day. Mm. Um, and I'm trying to think, man, I'm trying to think of how long it took me, I would say, to like get back in a groove to where I could like do a show and not just feel dead during and after yeah i'd say probably like like two and a half months of solid gigging like a couple times a week mm-hmm. to get back into a rhythm so 
yeah, it was it was rough, man. So the people that you that you've been working with, did did you have to update them? Like, hey, you know, I'm I can't do this, I can't do that. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so basically, for the past three years, it's been you know I've told everybody in my band this. Um, I mentioned that there's like a baseline level of fatigue. Yeah. Um, you ever had the flu? Yeah. yeah. You don't want to move, right? No. <laughs> like, like everything hurts. Yeah. And like the thought of moving like makes you want to cry sometimes. That's what that fatigue is like. So there, like I told you, man, I, I got good days and bad days. There, there are times where like I have to <laughs> tell the guys ahead of time, like, yo, I'm really tired today. Can y'all play an instrumental at the top of this set? Maybe in the second set, can can y'all do an instrumental and Chris sing one? And then I'll come up. You know, it's a lot of help. Mm. But um, I'm fortunate enough to have, you know, I'm in a position where the guys in my band are like family to me. Mm -hmm. So it's not like a drag or anything. You know, if I'm ever feeling tired or not feeling good, well, we, we joke about it type thing, you know. Um, yeah, it's... Best way I can answer that one, I think. That's great. Yeah. You know, some people don't get a chance to even have that opportunity with with a band, and you might be performing, but you, you know, you might feel even though you might be on stage, you might feel alone while you're mm. up there. So, oh yeah, man. Look, that's another hard part about the business. To any prospective artists out there, if you hear me, hear this. Heed my warning. <laughs> You know how I said I wanted to be honest and open and let everybody know that it's okay to have feelings and it's okay to not have it all together all the time? Yeah. I want you to forget that for a split second. <laughs> and I want you to imagine that you're an artist. And you're the one that people turn to in times of happiness, times of sorrow especially. And they say, you know, oh, your music helped me through this, or man, me and my wife, that's our song. We dance the night away every time we hear it. When you build a fan base and you have fans that look at you like that, first of all, it's really weird. <laughs> it's very weird. And like, I don't have like an enormous fan base or anything. Like I've, I've got a solid fan base, mm. but like it took me a while to get used to people coming up and like telling me my lyrics or telling me that this song means so much to them because of X, Y, Z. Yeah. What I learned really quickly, however, is that like when you're, it's when you're like the face of the organization or whatever, you do not get to have a bad day. Mm. You don't get to be upset about things. Yeah. Uh, and that's an issue I'm facing right now is trying to maintain and keep moving forward and keep generating opportunities and things like that. In the situation that I'm in, it's hard. I have days where I feel like I bit off way too much. I feel like, man, why am I not stopping right now? Mm. I feel like any sane person would go, this is too much. Put it to the side. It can wait. Yeah. Why am I not doing that? Um, for one, I can't tell you what the answer to that is other than I'm extremely hard-headed and I love <laughs> what I do. Um, when you're an artist and you have people looking up to you you don't get to have a bad day you don't get to put it on front street when you might want to um i've played gigs when i've had a family member pass that day mm -hmm. 
or the night before, or maybe I had a broken back. Let me tell you, when there's money involved, nobody cares what you have going on. Yeah. Like, they don't care. It's like, dude, I don't care. I don't care that grandma died. Like, you, there's people waiting to hear you sing. Damn, Go. monkey. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. be ready for that shit. It's going to happen, man. Like, yeah. Yeah. And that's something that I think social media has kind of messed up for us mm-hmm. because we start to, like... Oh, little baby was at the Linux mall. Oh, um, the baby was, you know, doing this. And so we see them at these places and we're like, oh, you know, I go to that place. There ain't nothing special about that. So we start to feel like we're in their lives. Yep. And then especially if you're a huge fan of the person, you forget that if you actually met them in person, they don't know who you are. Yeah. So you kind of get like this And they're people too. That's yeah, the yeah. thing. Art, like, too. like your favorite artist, like pick the biggest who like who is the most famous artist you can think of. I'll probably say like Adele or Drake okay. or something like that. Guess what? Adele still shits. <laughs> yeah. Adele breath is still funky in the morning when she yeah. wakes up. Okay. Yeah. Just like you and me, bro. You know, but like try telling one of her super fans that. Yeah. Somebody that drove 10 hours to see a concert and paid 250 bucks for these tickets. Try telling those folks that grandma died or that you broke your back. I'm like, I don't give a shit. You better hello from the other side of Dale. <laughs> like, I don't care. That's... She she's facing backlash for that kind of thing now. I don't know exactly what it is, but mm. like I know like uh at least back when I was in college, she had to cancel, like I think she had to cancel like the second half of a world tour or something, because she like sh- like her voice went out on her. Oh, dang. She wasn't singing with proper technique and was playing so much that like she just lost her voice. Mm. Well, she's got this residency in Las Vegas right now, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. And uh, I saw a couple weeks ago that, again, for whatever reason, she had to like cancel the second half of it or maybe the entire thing and move it like six months or a year in the future. And all I saw on Twitter was just like anger. From soccer moms. <laughs> There's going to be some pissed off Honda minivan drivers, man. Oh, my I God. I paid for these tickets and she just keeps canceling. Yeah, nobody. <laughs> they don't care what you got going on. Yeah. That's that's so sad. But Good. Adele's a person, though. Yeah. she. What if, what if she's having some vocal issues, you know? Like, she ain't had none of that throat coat. Yeah, had no throat coat. <laughs> Something as simple as that, man. You know? Yeah. But no, y'all want to throw her under the bus. Yeah, I mean, even like the simple things is when she lost all that weight. Oh yeah, and people were upset with her for losing. It's like, who told you you were allowed to get skinny? <laughs> like, Not I, supposed to like yourself like this. I was shocked. I do remember being shocked, and it was funny because I got skinny at the same time. Oh okay. And like, I legitimately remember like scrolling through Instagram one day, and I'm like, damn, who is that? <laughs> I was like, Adele. <laughs> I took a page out of my playbook, baby. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, I mean that's that's the type of stuff where you're like, that's that's that they're a person too type stuff. Yeah, you know they're allowed to change. Um, I think we saw Lady Gaga go through that. She changed her yeah. management, and we also saw her kind of change as a person. Like she used to be very elaborate. Mm-hmm. She's kind of, I would say, calmed down a little bit. Do you think that that's, that was her being elaborate? Or do you think that was the label being elaborate? And saying, we need a new, updated female Elton John. I've, I've heard 
I've heard both sides of the story. Like I've, I've listened to some podcasts with her manager mm-hmm. and he would talk about like some ideas that she would have that sounded on par with her antics. Like early yeah, Lady yeah. Gaga stuff. Yeah. So I was like, okay, maybe, maybe that was just Lady Gaga. But then somebody made a point that her management changed and then like she kind of changed. And I was like, Ooh, maybe. I mean, there was a definite shift in her sound. Yeah. I mean, she too. went straight from dominating the pop airwaves to doing tours and albums with Tony Bennett. <laughs> like, first of all, that that's one thing that bothered me about Lady Gaga at first is because I was like, hold on, you're like an actual musician. You're like an actual talented, yeah. studied, you know your craft musician. Okay, why are you doing all this? What, what, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, that one really bothered me. That's something that still bothers me. Like, and that's just a personal thing, man. That's got That's got to be the Berkeley in me. Like, just <laughs> that's got to be the one bit of music snob that is seriously just written all over my face. Is like when there's like a pop act that does like songs that. Follow the pop formula, man. All right, your intro has got to be less than 15 seconds. It has to reach the chorus before 45 seconds, and overall length must be under 3 minutes and 15 seconds. (laughs) And your melody should have a catchy hook, and your chorus that should be a repeating segment of 4 to 5 notes. No more than 5, though. Absolutely no more than 5. Ideally, we'd want it to be 3 notes that are easy. Kiss, keep it simple and singable. Mm. When I see those people doing those songs buy the book and to me they're boring because i just know how they're gonna sound Mm. i studied to do that kind of stuff yeah when i go and i see that same person in a setting like this and then they've got like an acoustic guitar or some keys and then they pick it up and they're just a monster that's one really quick way to make me have to buy a new laptop because i'm gonna throw (laughs) something through it why are you not sticking to the integrity of the music man yeah but that's the other thing too is that like i'm a my biggest fear about the music industry right now is that music itself, and I do mean actual music and musicianship, is a dying art form. Because mm. anybody can pick up Fruity Loops and use musical typing and go. Yeah, yeah. Anybody can do that. Yeah. Anybody can. Anybody can get a MIDI keyboard for fifty bucks. You can get GarageBand on a computer that comes on there and you can sit down and play any instrument because it's midi man you can as long as you can just do this you can play saxophone yeah you can play cello um i'm not saying that that's not that let me rephrase that that evil that i'm speaking of is a very necessary evil we need midi instruments yeah we do um however like i said i it's all about sharpening the axe man i want to see these I don't know. Maybe I just sound like a dick, but I'm just not impressed. No, I I completely agree with you. And I try not to sound like a dick, but I'm just seriously not impressed. Like I was looking at like what's on the radio right now, like what's on the charts in terms of actual musicianship. Mm -hmm. There's hardly any of it there. Yeah. Which most people don't give a shit about that, nor should they have to. Okay. Yeah. The the consumer doesn't care about that. They don't care about musical hierarchies and things like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, they don't care how much of a nerd you are. They just want someone's gonna make a move. Yeah. Um but the other thing that I don't see is I don't see a ton of outside talent other than just what they're force feeding you. Like like for example, the fact that and I'm not I'm not even a huge Lizzo fan, but the fact that Lizzo can play flute. Oh wow. 
like she's like a, a real flautist, like hmm. hardcore, like doing stadium shows <laughs> and will pull out a flute and play the <laughs> hell out of it. Okay. And then like you get on Instagram and then like you, you know, scroll through and you see these people that have been at a concert, like, I had no idea. Yo, <laughs> how the fuck is a flute hard, bro? Like she should open with she that. should like, right? <laughs> so when I see things like that, I'm like, man, that's cool. Lady Gaga's an example of that. Like yeah. she was doing all that pop crap. It's not crap. I didn't mean that. Yeah. But she's doing all that pop stuff and then can turn around and she's like a jazz pianist and songwriter that can accompany herself beautifully. I'm like, where is that? Yeah. We have enough of this. <laughs> Give me more of this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's 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 the thing, right? You if you know how to play piano, then you can originate. There's not many people cuz okay, for instance, uh not pointing out certain artists, but the, I mean, artists, producers, but I'm just thinking of certain people. So, like, we've got uh, Metro, uh, Tay Keith, like, all these people are big name producers, but the chances are they probably are using loops every once in a while mm-hmm. because they know how to pump stuff out. Like, you give them some loops, uh, some drums that they're used to, and they can make 40 beats in a day. Oh, yeah. So, that's that's great and all, but if any kid who has been making beats for two years on FL Studio, they can they can do the same thing. Yeah. But if you can make, if um, let's see, uh, Paramount calls you up and is like, "Hey, we're doing another season to Yellowstone. We need you to make. Uh, we need you to score this mm-hmm. to something like this episode." Right. You're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, see now, now, now you just opened up a whole nother can of worms because, like, film scoring and TV scoring is so complicated. Yeah, I, I took a couple classes on it in college, and like, bro, it is for smart people. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's, it is no joke, man. They take that stuff seriously, like. Cause I mean I've done you know I've done some like sync licensing things mm. like you know commercials stuff like that you know they want everything to be a certain length they want to have a tag on it and like you, more than likely you're gonna talk to them one time mm. and if you don't give it back to them the way they want it they're not gonna tell you that it's wrong they're just gonna go with somebody else's version of it Ooh. yeah um, cutthroat. <laughs> why am I in this business like I'm sitting here talking to you about this business and like everything I've said has just been like negative 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 and then I'm sitting here like it's great though <laughs> it is man I promise it's great and yo let me it's back- a love hate relationship it is definitely a love hate relationship and let yeah. me backtrack too because I don't want to I don't want to discourage that kid that is sitting there on FL studio making beats yeah that's the last thing I want to do the way I would rather have people receive my argument is like this. If you can play Guitar Hero so damn good, why don't you pick up a real guitar and mm. be a real Guitar Hero? Yeah. That's, that's, and you know, it might not be for it, but some people just don't want to do that. And yeah. they don't have to. Some people flat out be like, bro, I don't want to learn music theory. I don't want to learn the technical side. I just want to rap. Mm-hmm. That's great, bro. Be a rapper. But just know that there's... 10 million other people trying to be rappers too. So what makes you different? Yeah. So that's why that's what I've been saying this whole time is having other skills in your bag that you can go to um not go to but just you know bring to the table. You got to have something to stand out, stand out from the pack. Yeah. yeah. And and when I talk to artists who are recording I'm just like it's important that you just learn 
studio vernacular. Yeah, yeah. So if you know how to tell an engineer, like, hey, can you not uh, my, cut? My vocals are too wet right here. Yes. What you mean? There's no water on a computer. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, just knowing certain vocabulary words in the studio, like, it's going to make your engineer go, oh my God. Yeah, well, that's that's the same thing I was talking about with when I was like, okay, you can rap. Can you run a band? You know, you can sing. Can you run a band? Same thing in a live band setting. Like, if if you're in a rehearsal, let's not even, you're not even at the gig yet. Let's say you're in rehearsal and somebody's jamming you know they're taking a solo how do you know when it's time to get everybody back in how do you communicate that to everybody Mm -hmm. else how do you communicate that it's time to end the song without going okay guys we're gonna end in four bars you don't do that right (laughs) there's there's a vocabulary was hey man we're gonna vamp just keep vamping oh the hell is a vamp keep doing what you're doing this section of the song we're playing keep playing it till i tell you otherwise Mm. what does this mean that's universal for Right here, we're coming to a close. You know, I was like, hey, all right, check it out. You know, somebody requested uh, Let's Stay Together. You know it? Yeah, I know. You know? Okay, cool. What key? F. Um, how are we going to get out of it? Tell you what, go through go through the chorus three times, do the turnaround twice, then do one more chorus with a retard on the end. Somebody's going to sit there <laughs> and they're going to go, first of all, you can't say that R word. And it's like, no, 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 retardando. <laughs> just gradually <laughs> slowing down to a stop it's a yeah, musical yeah. term you know like you have to know these things otherwise and I, I know this from and thank god not my experience but from watching other vocalists just fall and hit their face mm. like you know be in a setting where they got called to be on some show that like the band playing is and yes, this is a very specific instance, and no, I'm not going to name any names. And yes, it is an artist that people know. But I have seen it where somebody established came in to do a show with a band that is a hell of a band. I'm talking about guys that have played with everybody and then some. So they don't they know what they're doing. They don't mess around with amateurs type thing. I've seen people get up, grab the microphone... And the band, okay, what song are you doing? And then go, I'm doing X, Y, Z. And they go, what key? And they go, huh? <laughs> and then the next thing you hear is everybody going, oh, this motherfucker. <laughs> and then, you know, start the song, and then it falls apart somewhere, and then they don't know how to get it back on track. And the next thing you know, everybody's angry. And this person that it feels entitled because they're on right now suddenly is freaking out throwing a tantrum because they don't have a clue what they're actually doing. They're used to somebody telling them how to do all this stuff. But when it's time to be an artist on your own and there's no one to hold your hand, it falls apart. And I've seen those looks from those OGs that played on those songs looking at that artist like, how dare you even attempt to do that yeah i'm like man i don't want those eyes on me Uh, uh-uh. i'm doing my homework <laughs> i'm gonna learn all the vocab i can i'm gonna watch videos of other people doing their live shows to see if i can pick up on anything yeah i'm gonna get in the, the old heads ears i'm gonna ask them tips old musicians love to talk <laughs> just ask one any question you'll get answers to 20 more questions than you asked mm. um yeah man it's 
it's really interesting to find out like who knows what and who and who's capable of what like what you're talking about with Lizzo and the flute like just being able to see the capacity of an artist and like how how they evolve you know what what they end up learning because like if you if you are at that level of like a Lady Gaga or something like that you borderline have unlimited resources to learn whatever you want to learn. Oh, yeah. And so there's some some pretty good um, info I got or advice I got from somebody. It, it was um, be great at one thing, like become the best at one at thing. At one thing. And then it will make learning everything else way easier. Yeah. And his example was Jay-Z. He said Jay-Z mm. became one of the best rappers and then from there, he started other businesses. Yeah. He didn't yeah. try to start other businesses while wow. being a great right. rapper. He just became the best rapper and then was like, okay, let me do these other things that I also wanted to do. I do want to say this, though. The model of success is not the same for everybody. Because I can tell you another. Now, also very influential, not on the same level as Jay-Z, but super famous who did it the exact opposite side of Jay-Z. Mm. Is Dolph. Okay. Dolph was flipping houses and real estate. So he did that stuff first? He was doing all this at the same time. Oh, like while he was, okay. While Dolph was rapping, he's flipping real estate, owning businesses, like all at the same time, Mm. creating generational wealth. Yeah, yeah. For his kids, they were doing real estate deals for for birthday presents. (laughs) (laughs) I'm dead serious. Like, That's oh, you awesome. want a PS5? Check it out. You're going to close on your first real estate deal. And you're going to take that money, and I'm going to teach you how to invest it. And then when you have some left over, you can decide what to do with it. That's wild. So Jay-Z, I love that example because you're totally right. Like he did, It was like he did one thing at a time. It was almost like a staircase for yeah. him, I feel like. But then you got somebody like Dolph. Dolph's got his hands in everything. Yeah. Um, and that, that, like I said, man, the model of success is not the same for everybody because I've seen it happen where like, I've seen like some people that are like, just some I consider being a master at something. And then maybe somebody that I feel like stretching themselves a little too thin, you know, and then yeah. it's the one that stretched thin that ends up hitting on something because mm. they've got their hands in everything. Yeah, yeah. Personally, I like the other way better. I'd rather be the master of, of my craft and mm. then grow from there. Okay. That's that's what I'd like to do. I mean, I, my honest to God goal, like through all this, and it, it's been my goal since I started this, was by the time it's all said and done, and this this isn't even like th- this goal comes before any of the clout goals, like the Grammys and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. the The goal that I have for myself before all of that is I want to be able to sit behind every single rhythm section instrument. And play it to the point of studio capability. Oh, wow. So that if I got a show and drummer can't make it, I can hop on drums. Mm. Guitar player can't be there today, I can play guitar. And that's it's a lofty goal. For some people, it's not. For like, you know, like savants or like, you know, like these people that are just like prodigies that can pick up anything. Like, done, I'm great at it. Good for you. <laughs> To you, I hate you. <laughs> um, but, you know, no, man, that's that's my goal, dude. Like, 
sharpening that iron, man. I got an electronic drum kit in my studio now. Mm. I got guitars in my studio now. I got a bass in my studio now. And every single day, no matter how tired I am from that fatigue or whatever else is going on in the world, I make it a point to sit down behind one of those instruments, mm. at least one, and play for 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And then if I'll say I'm only going to play 30 minutes, it's always like four hours. Um, so yeah, that's that's my personal goal. Um, and then comes all the fun stuff, like I want to win Grammys and like leave behind a musical legacy and all yeah. that, you know. Cheesy artist stuff. <laughs> so what do you what do you got coming up? Like what are you working on? <clears throat> well, right now we are finishing um pre-production for my new album. Um I could tell you what it's gonna be called. I hadn't announced it anywhere. Break it out. Tentatively, it's called Grow Up or Be a Rock Star. Mm. And it comes from a real conversation I had. It wasn't so much a conversation, so much as was a scolding. Um, <laughs> this is my, uh, I was in high school. It was like, I think it was my sophomore year. I was taking geometry. I was bad at math. Like my whole life, straight A's and everything, but math, bad. Okay. Like really weird. Um, I was in geometry and I was doing music and theater at the time too, like okay. professional theater, getting paid to miss school. Okay. <laughs> My teachers, some of them loved it because like I'd be in school like one and a half days a week, two days a week, maybe. And I'd still make straight A's because I was studying really hard. Mm. Then I had other teachers that couldn't stand that I made good grades in their class and then would try to fail me anyway. Oh. This is actually that. This was one year where I was doing okay in math. <laughs> um, I, I I had a conference with this teacher. Yeah, Miss Moore, I ain't forget about you. <laughs> Funky. I'm not gonna say all that on the airwaves, but she she legitimately told me she was like, "You need to give up this dream you've got because it's not gonna work. Oh, wow. you're not gonna be able to be a musician or Oof. an actor. You need to just grow up." I said, grow up. I'm going to be a rock star. She said, well, you better grow up or be a rock star. Mm. I was like, I'm picking rock star. <laughs> I'm picking rock star every time. Um, so, yeah, I've, dude, I've carried that chip on my shoulder for so long. And it makes me mad that I was like, ooh, why didn't I name my first album that? Like, <laughs> just get this aggression out. In every album. Rockstar right? 2, Rockstar 3. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, and this one, sonically, this one's going to be different. Um, for me anyway, like, uh, to my fans watching this, they'll know I have like, I got two different lanes I operate in. Mm. I do like a soul music thing. Mm -hmm. And then like on the other side, I'm straight up in the Memphis rap scene. Yeah. Yeah. You know, singing for Al and Frazier and White and, you know, people like them. Um, this album is definitely going to lean more towards that soul music side. Which the the fans and I'm trying to make sure I don't alienate anybody because I want everybody to be happy, but you're not <laughs> able to do that. Um, the the rap game is what put me on, mm. is what got me some buzz and got me some fans. But then those same fans found the stuff that wasn't you know totally done like. MIDI and stuff like that. And they yeah. found like 
Finding My Way Back Home, Simple Things, those songs, they're like, whoa, that's like real music, man. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to cater to that side more. Okay. I'm going a little bit more up the blues side mm -hmm. of the R&B and soul. Like there's definitely some more blues influences on this album. Um, there's also a couple of um, pretty big special guests that I'm not going to spoil. I have to be surprised about those. Um, but it's going to be... It's like there's not a every artist says this, but I mean, like, I, I honestly think so. There's not any fillers. I don't believe in fillers. Yeah. Like if us like if if I, I'm and I'm my own worst critic, dude, like I can't tell you how many times I've argued with my producer over. Dude, that's fine. I promise it sounds good. And I'm like, no, it's not. I can do it better. <laughs> Just how many tracks are you thinking? Where am I at right now? Right now I'm at. Thirteen right now, with no fillers. No fillers, bro. Everybody, Astro Rocker has got thirteen tracks. No, Drake could never. There, there's literally not a single song that, like, in terms of of things that I have showed to people. And mind you, people that are gonna tell me like this ain't the this ain't the one, bro. You know, like those kind of people. Mm. There has not been a single idea or demo that I've shown to anybody. That would tell me otherwise, or in my band, you know, those guys are definitely obligated to tell me what's up. Nobody's been like, I don't know about that one. Mm. Every single song has been like, what? And we we kind of joked about it that like someone was like, so you just had to die first to get your superpowers? <laughs> That's all it was. So oh. I was like, yeah, I guess so, man. I guess I had to, you know. It's, it's either that or go through a hard breakup. You right? I mean? like, and I'm, dude, I'm I'm not trying to go through a breakup, <laughs> man. I love my woman. Because, <laughs> I mean, we had like 50, you know, he got shot, came out with, right? uh, was it The Massacre? No, like, 50 got shot and came out with Get Rich or Die Oh, Get Rich or Die Trying. Yeah. Um, you know, every time we say uh, The Weeknd or somebody else, um, Gosh, who is it? Like, I don't know, Chris Brown or somebody. Yeah. Like, they go through breakups or whatever. They, and then we get the best music out of them. So, I mean. Didn't, we were just talking about Adele. Didn't Adele, like. Oh, yeah, she did. Yeah. Like, she sings it in her music. She talks about, yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, man. Another person. So, yeah. yeah, that. Those type of traumatic things will bring stuff out of people. You well, know? see, the thing that I don't. And, I mean, I can only speak to myself and the artists that I've seen in documentaries that do this kind of thing. But I am definitely guilty of it. I am the, like, and everybody's different. Everybody's got their own style. Like some people sit down and are like, I'm going to write a song today. That's great. I can't do that. I mean, mm. I can. Chances are I'm not going to like what I put out though, because mm. it's, it's, feel it's, forced. A, it's, it's, it's forced. It's a okay. hollow message. I don't have anything that I'm actually trying to say right mm. then. I wait until I have something to say. Mm. And that drives my engineer slash producer absolutely <laughs> crazy. Sano, I'm sorry, bro. But if he was sitting right here, he would tell you that it's okay because when I do come to him with something, it's like, where did that come from? It's like mm. all those times that I was, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. It just took me a while to get it out. That's awesome. But uh, what it looks like for me, and I imagine some of these other artists too, probably not like Chris Brown. But like Adele, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Like this is the cycle. It's like, 
get horrible news, whether that be like somebody died or you're going through a breakup and then you move to this side and it's like, start moving forward like everything's going to be fine and then realize very quickly that it's not and you're going to have a mental breakdown. Have said mental breakdown and then on this part of the circle, it's like, ooh, this isn't really healthy. This is probably looks really bad. Like if there were a camera in my room, I'm pretty sure people would be laughing like... Lifetime's on. I got a blanket around my shoulders, and I am crying. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just kidding. The gallon eyes. Right, right, right. <laughs> Sobbing into a lean cuisine. <laughs> but like, uh, <laughs> sorry, that visual just like <laughs> just made me laugh really hard. Um, <laughs> so stupid. Sometimes these things come out of my mouth, and like. I don't get the mental picture till later, and then this happens. I just start laughing. Um, literally made me lose my train of thought again, because all I can think about is somebody just sitting and crying, eating a lean cuisine. We've been there before. We've all been there. Oh, yeah, no, but, like, what it definitely looks like is, like, you know, there's, like, for me anyway, I, I just, like, I hold whatever it is in, which is so unhealthy. And like, I'm the one always telling people, dude, you got to talk about this stuff, bro. You can't keep it inside. It's going to bring you down. And then I'm the very person just be like, Mm. I'm fine. (laughs) I'm fine. Yeah. I'm absolutely fine. You know, um, it's like, so I'll give you an example. Like I hadn't written a tune in like two months at this point in time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd written a song like right before I found out that I had to have a liver transplant. Mm. And then I found out I had to have a transplant and got super depressed because it's terrifying and uncertain. And the whole time when I'm sitting there, like, I mean, this is, you know, going on for weeks. It's not something that goes away. Like in my head, I'm going, you have to write about this. That's, that's what the remedy is for you right now. You Mm. know this, but bringing yourself to actually do it is like, pulling hairs man yeah so what happens with me is i get to a point where i hold all this stuff in and then it just comes out when i'm by myself it might be tears it might be throwing my hands into the wall whatever yeah yeah. and then once i've gotten the um, once i get to the point that it's like okay we're emotional we're having emotions it's not going away we got to just deal with it that's when this little voice goes do something with it and pick up the pen and nine times out of ten when I do when it is time for me to write a song I sit down and the song writes itself mm. like I don't have to think about it a ton yeah. maybe my thinking comes in depending on like did I start lyrically or did I start harmonically first like a lot of time like this particular tune um, doesn't have a name yet but it's just about what I was going through mm. and like the lyrics all came to me like this first verse just came to me like that um, I mean, literally, I was having my brain was going faster than my hand could keep up, you know. Mm. So I had to go back and rewrite these lyrics three, four times where I could read them, go back and make my edits. And then I was like, wow, I really like this. And I feel better. Wow, it's like somebody wrote this to deal with my problems. Oh, that's right, we did. <laughs> so, so like, I, I get back and I, I look at these things. And I listen to the words that I wrote, and if it if it doesn't make I'm trying to think of how to say this the right way, if it doesn't make me feel 
the same way if it doesn't give me the same relief it gave me in my time of need mm-hmm. i'm not putting that song out hmm. it's like almost think of it almost kind of like love versus lust yeah when yeah. you first write a song that's lust you're attached to it yeah you're just infatuated with it because it's so new and it's just like this new idea and it came from oh wow i really want to explore this but then you might wake up the next day and realize oh, i really like this What's that? After you bust that nut. That exactly. <laughs> like, man, you turn the lights on. This bitch ain't got no eyebrows, dog. Like, out. You know? Oh, man. Um, yeah. So if it doesn't, like, if it doesn't evoke, like, a serious sense of emotion like it did when it fixed whatever was going on in my head at the time, I was writing from emotion. And I, my art, the artist part of me never clicked on. Mm. And that tends to not happen. It happened when I was younger and I was learning my method for what worked for me to write songs. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I have a feeling that like Adele, who's who's another really moody songwriter? Mm. Moody. Mm-hmm. I never really thought about that. You know, they write yeah, music now, that's like, you know, moving. You know yeah, I mean? like Adele is one and then outside of that on that mainstream yeah like, main, that's that's the thing like trying to find somebody who i don't know if there's ah that's not the same yeah that's not i was gonna say like silk sonic is is harmonically really pleasing like, yeah, yeah to my musician brain like it's firing on all cylinders yeah but like those songs aren't moving like that's yeah. not gonna like Make me call my dad or something. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. it's not gonna do that. Well, I'd even say the weekend and some of his music, like um yeah. we everybody talked about so we were talking about after a breakup, mm-hmm. him and him when him and Selena broke up, that uh My Dear Melancholy, that was a very moody yeah. album. Even the album art was just dark. Is Kanye moody or is he just crazy at this point? I'd say more crazy than movie. Yeah, he's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Very, he's he's that you know Albert Einstein crazy hair type person where he can still create great stuff. But it's like, yo, what are you what are you talking yeah. about? Like, what yeah, are you doing? Yeah. What are you talking about? Dude, so, I'm sorry. It's just we. I mentioned Kanye. I gotta say this. I miss polo shirt and backpack Kanye. That's the Kanye I miss. <laughs> college dropout Kanye. Where is that? Where's college dropout? Where's graduation? Like I miss we, the old Kanye. We got miss- <laughs> so far off the rails here, man. Like, yes. God. But yeah, I mean, he's another one of those people we're talking about. Um, he was able to do two things at once. I didn't even know that he was a great producer oh, when yeah, he first man. came out. So when I found out, I was like, oh, he makes beats? And everybody was like, he made beats. That's how he came up, mm-hmm. was the making beats. Yep. He just so happened to be a great rapper as well. Yeah. So, you know, somebody else in the industry is like, that's just kicking it back a little ways. And this is on the singer side. But you remember Mario? Yeah, yeah. You know, baby, you should let me love you. You know, he was a songwriter. Really? He was a songwriter, bro. That song, I'm pretty sure, fact check me. I'm sorry if I'm wrong. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that that song was written for Neo. He wrote that song for Neo. Okay. And Neo was like, why don't you sing this? And he was like, okay. And next thing you know, he got a hit. See, I heard Neo wrote Irreplaceable for Beyonce. He did. Neo's, Neo, Neo was actually doing the same thing. He was a songwriter before like mm. he caught on big. That's actually more common, I feel like, in the industry. Is I'm, people being songwriters yeah, and yeah. then ending up being the one... 
that's like the artist. Like that happens a lot more. I've noticed a lot of people who like have a hit and then kind of tail off are great writers. Oh, so yeah. you remember the dream? Yeah, 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 yeah. I found out the dream has been writing a ton of people's music. Really? And I was like, okay, that makes sense because he had like a few hits. Like a Shawty's a 10. Yeah. He had like a, a few of those hits and then kind of tailed off. And I was like, what happened to the dream? But apparently he's been writing a bunch of people's yeah. music. Sharpen the iron. Yeah. What you going to do? If, what happens if dubstep dies? You know how many people <laughs> I went to college with that were like, I'm doing dubstep. Yeah, yeah. And then like literally like two years later, it's like, yeah, man, nobody really does dubstep anymore. No. So, like, what you gonna do if your genre ain't ain't hot no more? Yeah. You just gonna fold everything you worked for? You done? <laughs> no, you gotta evolve, man. The biggest evolver is Lil Wayne. That dude has been through so many phases. <laughs> uh, yes. And he and he's still relevant. Like, he's still relevant. There's very few people who were around in 99 that are still relevant today. Who can we say from 99 that was... I'll say Jay-Z. Jay-Z. Um, but, mm, musically, though? I say Nas. I mean, he was up for a Grammy this past That's year. That's true. Nas I'll definitely put up there. Um, in other genres, I don't really know. That's what I'm trying to think of. In rock. Um, yeah, in rock. like, Well, rock is... that's Man, rock is a lot like rap and hip-hop, man, because for whatever reason, that's a genre that is plagued by early deaths. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, Even, uh, what was what's the band? Uh, like was was, Smashing Pumpkins? Yeah. Like, they I got was, like, the like, drummer? For example, I was actually thinking about Chris Cornell right now. Okay. I was like, if Chris Cornell was still alive, he would fit that, that category mm. easily. Um, like, you were in how many famous bands? Dave Grohl, another good example. Yeah, yeah. You were in Nirvana and Foo Fighters? <laughs> Fuck you, man. Come on. Yeah, some people, they, they can just do it all. But yeah, I mean, that's 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 the industry, man. It's just trying to find a way to to just keep up with the times. Like you, you have all these different, we go through these phases. Like right now, I think we're still in this, for rap music, like this trap era. And I mean, technically, you know, people say like Young Jeezy, he talks about being a trap star. So, right. I mean, you could say he was the original trap artist, him and Gucci and all them. But I mean, but, but are you, but, but, but see, if you, this is just my opinion as, as, as a hip hop historian, <laughs> it's just my opinion that if you, once, once you do that, you're making a new genre outside of rap and yeah. calling it trap. Like it's, a sub sub genre. Right, yeah. right, yeah. Huh. Interesting. I mean, but I would say definitely like trap music now is completely different from like what Jeezy and them were making. Oh, hell yeah, man. Shit, that's, I, that's I, way came, I mean, dude, one of my favorite albums of all, one of my favorite rap albums of all time, Trap Rap. Got it. Back to the basics. Mm. When I was a teenager, I mean, dead serious. When that album hit, you couldn't go anywhere in Memphis without the pavement rattling because somebody was bumping oh, full time man. or gangster party or something like that. And I, now me, I still listen to those songs and love mm. them just as much as I did back then. Yeah. However, new listeners hear them and are like, this sounds like old rap. Yeah, yeah. It's because it's all changed, and it makes me feel old that I've watched that happen in my <laughs> lifetime. Yeah. 
Like, I don't like it when I turn on, you know, like a classic blank station and then they play something from when I was like 15. I'm like, wait a minute. Pause. Hold on. <laughs> and then nah, these kids run around talking about, oh, this person born in the late 1900s. You better shut up. <laughs> Cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> Not the one, man. I don't know if I'm ever be old, bro. Like, I might like look old but mm-hmm. i'm like never gonna be old that's the key to being staying young yeah is to have that m- mindset that like, mentality like i want to be that what kind of old dude do you want to be I wanna, like if you could pick what kind of old man you're gonna be like paint me the picture i want to be the type of old guy that is that smooth casanova type dude okay all right but Everybody has no idea how old you actually are because oh, you, okay. you still got cool. that like young soul. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I want to be, dude. I want to be, I want to be like, I want to be like seventy five, like dropping little music knowledge nuggets to the younger generation. Mm-hmm. But I also kind of want to be like that old dude with the real crazy hair and all the <laughs> stories. Yeah, yeah. That like everybody's like. Is he full of shit? Is that, <laughs> or did that actually happen? And there's like those two people that were around back there, like, no, whippersnapper, it was real. I was there. It you reminds me I mean? of um, the end of life where the dude in the yeah. wheelchair is telling them the, they're digging the yeah. graves. And they're like, hey, old man, is, it, is that him in these graves? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's what I want to be like. Like Just rolls away. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, my, my story is still being written. And I mean, it's been pretty crazy already, so I can't imagine what else is to come. So I'm hoping that if I'm blessed enough to be able to see 75, 85, I hope the stories that I have to tell are so crazy that the kids are like, ain't no way in hell, Grandpa. Get out of here. You know what I mean? Yeah. I hope so. That sounds like fun. And that's why we record them on the podcast. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. Well, man, let's wrap this up. It's been great having you on again. Thanks for having um, me. Give everybody like all the info, how they can reach you, and uh, where they can see you perform at, all that good okay. stuff. Okay. Uh, if you want to see me perform, you can catch me and my band, the Memphis Royals, every Thursday at BB King's, 7.30 to 11.30. Um, get at me on Instagram at Ashton underscore Riker, A-S-H-T-O-N underscore R-I-K-E-R. I think it's the same thing on Twitter. And then Facebook is Ashton J. Klein Riker. And if you stay tuned in to my Instagram, that's normally where I post all my updates. So if you're interested in this new album and when it's coming out, that's where you should look. Awesome. Again, thank you so much for coming back. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Awesome. All right. Well, everybody, uh, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.